Hey everyone, welcome again to Training for Life Redeemed. I'm Dan, with my father, David Jackson, working our way through the Psalms. Dad has translated them more beautifully. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's see what he says about Psalm 52. Psalm 52. For the director, a mascal of David. When Doeg the Edomite came and reported to Saul and said to him, David came to the house of Ahimelech. Why do you boast in evil, big man? God's faithfulness is all through the day. You plan destruction. Your tongue is like a sharpened razor. You doer of treachery. You love evil more than good, a lie rather than a right word. Salah. You loved all the devouring words, you deceitful tongue. Yes, God will demolish you forever. He snatches you up and he tears you away from a tent. He uproots you from the land of the living. Salah. The righteous see and they fear. They laugh at him. Look, the big man. He doesn't set God as his place of safety, but he trusts in the abundance of his riches. He's strong in his destruction. But I'm like a luxuriant olive tree in the house of God. I trust in the covenant faithfulness of God forever and ever. I'll praise you forever because you act. I will wait for your name because it's good that it's ahead of your faithful ones. Well, Dad, that sounds delicious. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this psalm is a massive taunt that David has written in a little letter and sent off by a pigeon or something over to Dior. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, here, yeah, Doeg, read this. <laughs> You're such a big man. Yeah. Reminds me, it was Charlie, my son, loves the uh, How to Train Your Dragon series. Oh, and, yeah. And in there is this guy called uh, Humongously... Um, yeah, humongous, big shot, big shot, the hero. <laughs> Huma- yeah, humongous, big shot, the hero. That's I think that's what he gets called the whole way through, and everyone loves him. He's just oh, this, you know, this is big shot, the hero. But I've retired from my hero business anyway. Uh, it's kind of how I feel. I like he's doing. It. He keeps calling him this big man throughout the uh, throughout this psalm, Dad. So it's coming. Yeah, it says it's a psalm of David about Doeg, the Edomite, after he has basically caused Ahimelech's entire household to be destroyed. Can you give a bit more of the context for us for the the psalm? Yeah. Again, remembering that this is probably not written by David and sent to Doeg, like I have in my head. It's written later for us to reflect on That's about right. Doeg. Yeah. Uh, he didn't burst into song and start singing this thing. <laughs> Yeah, no, he's still out in the wilderness somewhere hiding from these people when yeah. he wrote this, I'm sure. But um, no, I <laughs> I resonate with this because when I was at uh, when I was at school, uh, an all boys high school, and you're the smallest kid in the grade, and you've got asthma, and you're the weediest little runt there is. Um, there's always these fellas that are, you know, the big heroes in the year, the rugby union players, the the tough guys. And we used to refer to them as the men, because <laughs> that was such a pack of idiots. Um, and I went to a reunion um, with my HSC grade, and it was embarrassing because the men were there. Um, and as people started talking about how they'd lived the last 40 years of their life, uh, I didn't want to tell my story. Um, because God, God's been gracious to the runt, um, the Cyril, the reject. Uh, here I sit happily married for 48 years, four great kids, 
Um, you know, God's been really, really good to us. And I'm listening to these guys tell their stories. And it's, it's shattering and sad. And a couple of them got converted. And the difference was just horrendous. It, God's grace versus the alternative. Mm. Um, and you don't want to sit there and take any credit for it because there really is no credit you can take. Um, God has been gracious. You look at David in 51 and what a horrendous man he was. And there is God doing grace as he responds, you know, with repentance and faith. Um, and now we've got this clown. Uh, and Doeg is just the picture of the unrepentant man. Um, and in a world of, you know, that picture of if I die, I cease to exist, therefore it's survival of the fittest. Who's going to be the fittest? The big men. <laughs> you know, the hero. Um you know, and, and I mean, we, we, we look at that and we think that's silly, but I, I'm, I'm a bit, I look back at Anzac Day um, and World War One, and I, I'm a historian. 90% of the blokes that went off and signed up for that war went over there to win their manhood. They had no idea what they were fighting for. There were slogans, you know, for king and country and God and country and God and empire and all this stuff. It all sounded really noble. But really, at the end of the day, um, it's pictured by Norman Lindsay with a little boy in short pants um, and across his belt is the word Australia. And lying on the ground is a woman in her nighty with a gorilla standing over it with a German helmet. And... Uh, Obviously, the lady has been raped and murdered, and he's got blood on his hands. And uh, the the caption underneath says, um, "What are you going to do about the what's happening to your mother?" And the woman lying on the ground is the UK. So there's mother country, and there's little boy, and we're going to go over there and become one of the big boys uh, by going to war and winning our Victoria Cross. That. That's a psychosis that was involved in that whole process. Um, and I think it's built into manhood generally. We want to go and win our manhood. We want to be the big man. Um, you know who the big man is? The guy who's on his face in Psalm 51. And this clown is not a big man. No. He's a gutless little wimp. He kills 80 priests all of their wives and children, and all of their animals. The entire town is wiped out. Saul's own men refuse to do it. And you go, you know, here is a history of Jacob versus Esau, Israel versus Edom, and he's an Edomite. And you end that story with Jesus versus Herod, who is also an Edomite. And Herod ends up being eaten by worms. <laughs> yeah, big man. <laughs> probably was a big man too. Probably was a big man. <laughs> yeah, and they yeah they were internal worms. <laughs> uh, it's not a it, yeah. This this puts this is God putting life in perspective, and so while we fear the big man, um, you know, and I you know, I'd go and hide in the library, 
these guys, um, really, they're the ones who should be afraid. Yeah, yeah, which kind of comes throughout the psalm. Like, we've got this big man, big man stuff, and then around verse 5, it starts to talk about how God is going to actually come and demolish him forever. Yep. Because uh, it doesn't matter how big a man you are, if you're up against a creator God. Uh, <laughs> well, they say there's always someone bigger. <laughs> Vern Poitras preached a chapel sermon at Westminster on Psalm, um, Psalm 1. Uh, why do the nations rage and the kings imagine? No, Psalm 2. Um, God in his heaven laughs. And uh, I've never been able to track down all the words, but I remember he said there are five Hebrew words for laughter. One is where a chuckle, mm. and the one at the other end has you rolling on the floor holding your ribs, right? And the one that he uses here is Yahweh in his heavens, the creator God who is above the creation rolling on the ground laughing at this little wimp of a, you know, a big man of a big man who's all of you know six foot tall on the third rock from the sun in among a billion stars in one galaxy of billions of galaxies going you can go jump the lake <laughs> you know it's hysterically stupid yeah um, but frighteningly so yes yeah hysterically so God's going to snatch him up, demolish him, take him away from his tent, uproot him. Uh, and then it's about the righteous then in this psalm. Um, like there's this, there is a contrast. It's not oh, just yeah. about doing. Uh, yeah, the righteous fear God and they they laugh. Like they, even the righteous people, they go, look, the big man. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, it's not. oh, look, there's a big man. It's a, they're, they're mocking him. Yeah. Because he does not set his place in God for his safety. Like it's He's got life out of perspective completely. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's a it's a ridiculous cartoon. Um and the I, righteous man is the one that gets described as the olive tree. Yeah. So the luxuriant one even. <laughs> yeah. So you you look at this this was a hard line to translate. He snatches you up and he tears you away from a tent. He uproots you from the land of the living. So this this big man, and in the previous Psalms, he's, you know, building bigger barns and he's got big houses and his name is invested in his uh, inheritance for his children and all this sort of stuff. And God reaches down and just plucks him up and he te- pulls him out of his tent. You want to be undignified, get dragged out of your tent mm. um, and tossed out of the country. He's, he's a homeless nobody. Um that, that's a, a contrast to, if you go back to the first psalm, uh, the the righteous man is a, tr- is a tree planted by the waters and his wa- roots go down into the water and mm. he's, he's always green and flourishing, um, whereas this guy is just a dried up stick that we throw away. There's a great line in Jude. <laughs> in the epistle of Jude, he's dealing with people who were part of, the, who sneaked into the church to try and corrupt the church's understanding. They deny that Jesus is God, Hmm. right? So in the process of basically labelling these people for who they are, he describes them as autumn trees, twice dead, uprooted. And these people, if I'm right, are associated with the Essenes, the Dead Sea Scrolls, and their label for themselves was that they were the plantation of righteousness. 
which is a phrase used in Isaiah. Hmm. And he says, no, you're not the plantation of righteousness, mate. You're just a dead stump that we're going to pull up and throw in the fire. Um, you're unfruitful. You haven't produced the fruit of righteousness. Hmm. And you look at Doeg and you think, yeah. Yeah. So the curse on Edom was, that, on the Amalekites and so forth, is that their name would be forgotten. They'd blot out the name of Amalek. They'd blot out the name of these people. That means that they'll have no descendants. And so the last defenders of Jerusalem, ironically, were Edomites. And the Romans wiped them all out. Yeah. Nothing left of them. Nothing left. Yeah. God keeps his word. Yeah. And it does flourish the righteous. Yeah. Luxury olive trees. Yeah. It's like a luxuriant olive tree. Well... Paul picks up that image, doesn't he? In Romans yeah. 9 and 11, he, he talks about, you know, God's people are this plantation of righteousness. He's planted them in his creation and he, they're going to flourish. If they don't, if they're not faithful, he'll chop you off. Mm-hmm. And if you're a Gentile or whoever you are and you repent and believe, he'll graft you in Yeah, and that tree will just keep growing and growing and growing. So here we are, 3,000 years after this, sitting on the other side of the planet doing a podcast because the kingdom of God is flourished all the way here. Yeah. Yeah. And thankfully so. And thankfully so. <laughs> well, that brings us to the end of Psalm 52. Uh, if you want to come and grab the study notes for this episode, you can head over to trainingforliferedeem.com slash 108 and grab those there. Uh, if you haven't hit the subscribe button yet please do that follow us along we'll be back again next week looking at psalm 53 i presume dad yep yep keep going through these psalms we're going to go to 72 awesome (laughs) god will so we'll see you then